Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome again to Daily Daf Differently. Jeremy Kamenovsky learning with you Tractate Shkalim from the Jerusalem Talmud, uh, page 19 and the beginning of chapter 7 of the Tractate. And our material today is all having to do with doubt. The question of if you find an object or in particular you find money or as we will see uh, food, meat, uh, you have to estimate what you think its provenance is, where it came from, and what you think it's assigned to. If you remember yesterday, we described that there uh, were different kupot, different um, uh, receptacles for the giving of money on the temple. Uh, we had a big long list. And today we're going to talk about the problem of money that was found not in the, the vessels, not in the chests for tzedakah, but, or, or donations to the temple, but, uh, but between them, well, simple simple answer, that if it is on the ground, it belongs to the chest that it is nearest. But what if it is exactly 50-50 between two, two kupot? If it is exactly 50% of the way between the, the annual shkalim that people are supposed to, to contribute to the temple or the, the receptacle for buying free will, non, non-required offerings, what do you do then? The general principle that the Mishnah articulates is Zahaklav, here's the principle. Hokim Achar Hakarov Lehakel. You follow the the nearest receptacle, even when it will produce a lenient ruling. Mechza but when it is exactly fifty fifty between the two receptacles, Lehachmir, you choose the option that would produce the most strict ruling. So the first example that our uh, text gives that the Mishnah gives is that if it's exactly 50-50 between the vessel for the new for the new shekels for the for the annual contribution and for the uh, non-required offerings, you would assign a, a 50-50 case to the non-required offerings. How come? Because the shekel can go for any number of expenses, including you know putting plaster on the walls. But the nidava, the free will offering, is certainly going to be for a sacrifice and a sacrifice only. So it's assigned. To that one. Uh, interestingly enough, the Gemara asks upon the Mishnah why it listed those two since in just the previous Mishnah, the, the Shekel was listed first and the Nidava was listed last in the, in the list of you know, Tzedakah receptacles or, or donation receptacles. Wouldn't it appear that that is the least likely circumstance that it would fall between those two, should fall between the ones that the, the ones that are next to each other in the list. Presumably, that list describes uh, it, it's not just a random list, but the physical uh, the physical description of how the thirteen receptacles were arrayed. And our our Gemara suggests that they were in a kind of a spiral, so that the last one is actually uh, physically nearest. The last one on the list is actually nearest the first one on the list. We're going to go on and ask uh, a number of. Uh, questions about we, if you find things, how do we determine what they where they came from and what they were assigned to? If you found money in Jerusalem during the holiday, for example, you would assume 
It is Maaser Sheni, the tithe money that is supposed to be brought to Jerusalem for the holidays. Uh, and it actually has the interesting ruling that if you found money on the Temple Mount, you should assume that it is non-sanctified money. Mara says, how can that be? How can you assume that it's non-sanctified money? Uh, and the, the answer would appear to be that the Kohanim would never let uh, non-sanctified money out of the out of the chest unless it had already been properly redeemed, that it had properly been alienated from sacred purpose. That is to say, they already bought and offered the animal that was sacrificed, or the incense, or whatever it is that was sacrificed. Um, but that regular people uh, would not have brought their own money to the Temple Mount. So you could never assume that just, you know, Ruvain or Shimon dropped the cash, because Ruvain and Shimon didn't have the cash in the Temple. The only way that there was money actually in the Temple Mount was if a Kohen had handled it properly. The most interesting thing that happens in our Mishnah, and it'll occupy us in the next page, uh, is the topic of, to, to use a term that is not used on our page, but is a common halachic term from the Babylonian Talmud in Tractate Hulim, basar nikalem min ha'ayin. Meat whose provenance you don't exactly know, you haven't watched it uh, entirely from the time that it came out of the butcher to your own possession. Uh, if you found some meat, or if you are not exactly sure which store you bought the meat in. It says here, Tisha chanuyot mochrot basar nevelav achat mocheret basar shkuta. There are ten butcher shops, nine of which sell treif meat, one of which sells kosher meat. Nitchalfulo, and you're not sure which one you bought from, choshesh. You should worry about it. That is to say, you should assume it was treif. How it is exactly, you forgot what store you went into. I can't quite imagine the reality, but let's just say. Uh, but if you found the meat on the, on the sidewalk, you should follow the majority. That is to say, uh, since nine-tenths of the stores sell trade, you should assume it's trade. And the converse, though, is true. There are, uh, there are ten stores, nine of which sell kosher meat. One of which sells trade. And you, you forgot which one you did it, you bought it from Koshesh. You should regard it as non-kosher because you're, you're worried about your own, the clarity of your own action. But, Ulanim said, but if you found meat on the sidewalk, you should follow the majority. That is to say, if, if you're in a, if you're in B'nai Brak or Borough Park or, or whatever in a, in a, for, you know, religious neighborhood, and you just find some meat, according to this text, uh, if most of the butchers are kosher, you should regard it as kosher. Now, in principle, or rather in practice, in, in modern times, we don't have such a lenient ruling. We have this other idea called Basar Mita Lem Mita Ayin, uh, that unless you have a, a clear uh, chain of transmissal uh, and you know for sure with a nice package and a kosher stamp that you shouldn't regard it as acceptable. But clearly here in our day, in, in, the, in the Mishnah's day, they have uh, more of a debate on this matter. And this debate, as I mentioned, is carried through in the Babylonian Talmud as well. And we've got a number of, of interesting cases. Rabbi Yochanan even says that if, if you are buying meat from a non-Jew, you should consider it just the same as if it were found on the sidewalk in Rashid HaRabim. That is to say, you should follow the majority of local butchers. There's another story here in which they say, Rabbi Yochanan, what are you talking about? 
you know, uh, there's, there's this other case in which Ravi uh, Elazar saw a non-Jewish butcher selling horse meat. And, and you want to say that you can, you know, trust the non-Jews, uh, not because they're bad people, but they, in fact, have a different practice about this. And he said, yes, yes, well, what I meant is, or, or Rabbi Yossi says on his behalf, that what Rabbi Yochanan meant is that if you see a non-Jew as an agent uh, of a kosher butcher or as himself walking out of a kosher, kosher butcher, then you should uh, trust them and, and acceptably uh, buy the food as long as the majority of the local butchers are, in fact, selling kosher. There's a, the story, the page concludes with a great story, but I'm going to save the story for the next day because it'll lead us into tomorrow's tomorrow's learning. All right, thanks for learning today's page with me, and I look forward to speaking with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.